the ability or the availability of skilled workers really directly impacts and is critical to like the quality, the quantity that the producer can produce, right? Like it all drives, Mm. right? All of those, like the labor impacts all of that. This episode is proudly brought to you by Mapper Forwards Workshop. It's time to become a coffee consultant. Learn how to diversify your revenue streams and create freedom from your day job while saying goodbye to that alarm clock forever by becoming a consultant within the coffee industry or directly to consumers who have shifted towards home brewing and home roasting. Protect your income from challenging times in the coffee value chain by taking this course today. Go to mapperforward.coffee forward slash workshops or click the link in the show notes for details. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Forward Friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and this is episode four of a five-part series where we're talking about coffee that is grown in Hawaii and the role that's playing in the coffee economy globally uh, in 2024. In this episode, Abby, I have Abby Munoz from Coffee Monarch Coffee Funds joining me uh, for this series. And Abby, we're going to carry on from the conversation that we're having in the last episode where we were, you were starting to talk to us about the idea of the next generation of coffee producers, uh, the next generation of coffee employees. And in this episode, we want to talk about the availability of labor uh, in coffee production in Hawaii this year in 2024 and beyond, but also we want to kind of continue that line of of thinking that you were um, starting in the end of the last episode where the next generation of coffee, they have a, a, a different kind of, and, and when I say different, I mean this in a, um, in a positive way, they have a different way of looking at the world and we have to hand over that legacy to them as they emerge and age into Uh, being business owners. But we have a real struggle here with regards to the labor force, whether it's Hawaii, Colombia, Brazil. I guess Brazil has a lot more mechanized um, options with regards to picking, but they still have to have pickers and labor. Uh, Wherever it is, labor's a problem. And the fact that it's getting harder to find labor and more expensive to produce coffee the next generation of business owners don't want to own the farms that their parents are handing over to them. So talk about all of that. Go. (laughs) Start where you want to start. (laughs) Yeah. Like being a multi-generational operated owned coffee farm, Mm -hmm. right? I see this, uh, my children, who are grownups, most of them. Mm-hmm. Half of my children are grownups. <laughs> yeah. And they're all awesome right. humans. Yeah, they are pretty awesome. They're listening, which they are because they're so awesome. They think that their mom is kind of a big deal in coffee. <laughs> so. um, right. But let's talk specifically. Madeline is a marine scientist. She's doing marine science things, saving the world, saving the planet by saving the ocean. Uh, there's this, you know, problem in our family. We breed passionate people. (laughs) Such (laughs) a problem. Such a problem. She's passionate about that. Um, 
and still not likely to be a coffee producer. Mm-hmm. Jacob is um, in um, agriculture technology, right? So he works for the company that uh, we used for our technology in post-harvest color sorting. Um, he does coffee cherry um, fruit globally, um, Colombia, Hawaii, but primarily focuses on blueberries, cranberries, wine grapes. Mm-hmm. Right. So then there's Joshua. So he's not probably likely to be a coffee producer. He doesn't really, he loves Hawaii and he loves our Hawaiian Spanish heritage that's really rich here, but he's not interested. He doesn't want to live in Hawaii. So it leaves Joshua. Right. Right. Who's 15 and a half. And shout out to the badass that he's Joshua. (laughs) Number one farm tour guide, right? Correct. And so he has had a wonderful opportunity to have lots of exposure on the farm in all aspects of the coffee world, right? He sees the logistics, um, all of the processing from seed all the way to cup brewing. He'll be looking for a cafe internship coming up this summer and probably next summer as well. He has a couple targeted cafes that he's hoping to go for both locally on island as well as on the mainland but we have this conversation often right like why am i working so hard herculean yeah efforts if there isn't the next generation right like isn't that why we work hard so that we can you know, like have a legacy and someone else will take it on. And I think about my parents, right? They didn't have, out of the six of us, I'm the only one that is in coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this Joshua, but he had, like, when I think of his generation, there's a kindness to them that allows for this greater awareness. Mm-hmm. Of the environment, of social responsibilities. Um, and I feel like because of this awareness and this kindness that they have, they are kinder to themselves than we are. Mm. They're more aware of like a lifestyle. Do I want to work my arse off a hundred hours a week for this? Or well, I, you know, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's yeah. really an interesting place. And so we've had a lot of conversations with Joshua about what's the next of coffee farming. And he says, you know, while I'm like, I can't see me being the farmer. Mm. Loves and is passionate about marketing, advertising, building a business. He loves like the inner workings of the coffee roaster. Like if he could be like a coffee i you know the word is like bubbling right like a technician technician right um and and he loves the talk story and the giving the being the coffee ambassador right sharing his knowledge sharing his love of the islands and the coffee he brews a mean cup of coffee as well he is a gun coffee brewer master of Oh man, the best Kalita and the best V60. I, I like that. 100%. 100%. So, um, and it's always funny when people are like, hey, let me bring you, hey, I got it, you know, 
let me yeah. bring you this coffee. And you're all like, eh. Yeah, but not Joshua. Joshua's amazing. But, yeah. So, right. It's his keen attention to detail. Mm-hmm. But when we think about the future generation, right, it's not likely that, and that's what we're seeing, right? Like there's just these farms, like older people, they're too old to take care of it. The kids are off at college. They are not interested in coming back. And I know that we're not the only place that's looking at that, right? I think it just hits home because I am a multi-generationally run, owned farm. Mm-hmm. and But I really feel like they have the ability to see better innovations that would be geared towards making production more efficient, more sustainable, um, right? Which ultimately affects the bottom line and the cost of producing that coffee, right? So like if I think about from Kona Coffee's perspective, right, the essence of Kona Coffee and its super unique taste profile, it's likely, right, that it's going to continue to be a sought-after commodity Yep. if producers continue to grow it with, you know, grow a premium product with a focus on quality and excellence, right? So I feel like there's that part of it that is simple, not easy, because there's not, I mean, like anything easy is not worth doing, but definitely simple, like it makes it simple. So how do we bridge the gap, right? And so because labor is such a crucial component of production, I mean, even down like all the way through to roasting, right? The ability or the availability of skilled workers really directly impacts and is critical to like the quality, the quantity that the producer can produce, right? Like it all drives, Mm. right? All of those, like the labor impacts all of that. So like, for instance, prior to us having uh, the Wico Tech Coffee Cherry Color Sorter, Mm-hmm. That that harvest we had um, just you know the circus of coffee pickers that go from farm to farm to farm, and um, you know we train and train. I mean, I was painting their fingernails red. I was giving them red bracelets. I was showing them photos. This is the fruit selection that we're looking for. We were willing to pay premium product hourly picking when everyone else was only paying like. 78 cents we were a pound we were paying like a dollar 20 a pound like just really trying to incentivize and no matter what we were not getting we would get just we call it christmas cherry right and so then after they've picked all day i now have to spend 10 hours sorting that coffee to get all of the unwanted fruit from that so by purchasing that that Wico machine, right? We're able to color sort, remove mm-hmm. any green that we want and get the rejects um, and use that as a byproduct. But um, right, like without that technology and that saved, like, how do I pay someone $18 an hour for another eight hours worth of work just to get another cop? It's like. And is that is that the solution that you think is going to be table stakes? for producers as we move forward is that going to be the the standard kind of way that producers around the world are going to have to solve for these labor shortages um through getting equipment and automating so that they can replace that labor 
long-term? I think for certain processes, right? I think that um, we may need to lean more into that technology, um, right? That was a solution for us, right? Like the price of that machine was less than um, having two people's labor for the season to Mm. work that coffee, Um, right? And now I own the machine. I get to depreciate the value of like right off the depreciation, um, as we look into other revenue building streams, right? Like, am I going to adult do off start offering toll servicing on the farm? Right. Whether it's wet milk or dry milk processing, both of those. I mean, we are fully equipped, overly infrastructured coffee farm, right? Like we, if you were to look at our infrastructure, you wouldn't think that we were only a seven acre coffee producing coffee farm, right? right? We have acres, but this farm and then 122 down south. Um, I'm pointing like you all know which way that is. <laughs> right. But I, we've, my dad and was sat like their vision was, I mean, we were planting those 122 acres when mm. coffee leaf rust hit and we needed the infrastructure to be able to, to handle that volume. And so I think that in order to navigate like potential challenges, we may, you know, producers might need to lean into some kind of technological solution for some things, right? Um, Not all processes are going to be able to work using technology, um, right? And we need to make sure they're not like, you know, like if you're going to be a specialty coffee producer or Kona coffee producer, right? We don't want to compromise the quality that Kona coffee is known for. And so what do we do? You know, we don't have like, we're not like Brazil or Kauai where we have flat ground where we can add mechanical harvesters. Um, I mean, who knows, right? So are you you nervous about it? If you don't mind me um, asking, are you nervous about the future of labor and the availability of labor Mm -hmm. as a coffee producer? No, because... Number one, we face people not work, wanting to work, right? Um, you have people that have degrees who spent buku bucks on their education. Many of them don't have jobs or hate their jobs. Um, but because they have a piece of paper, they feel like they're, you know, worth more money. And it, unfortunately, like the economy is what the economy is. And yeah. if, you know, I mean, uh, uh, minimum wage just went up to $14 in Hawaii. It's building up to 18 over time, right? But you can't survive. You cannot survive in Hawaii at $18 an hour. No, no. I mean, the, the, the cost of living is, you know, so expensive. And so how do you, like, what's the fairness, right? But I don't have a product that I can... It's a negative feedback loop, which is these are our constant conversations during our consulting sessions, right? right? And it sets us up really beautifully for the next conversation, which is the final episode of the series where we're going to be talking about the volatility of 2024 and how that's going to shape you as a business, but small businesses in general, because everything you're describing is exactly what I hear from coffee producers, roasters, and cafe owners, as well as the support businesses all over the world in this supply chain. Everybody's facing the same problems. 
the three main winners from our supply chain are not stakeholders or custodians of coffee. It is the landlords, it is the banks that give ag and and small businesses astronomical interest rates, and I don't mean that in a positive way. Ag loans are anywhere between 30 to 50% in the interest rates, which is just vomit-worthy. Um, and the third beneficiary of the money that's made in our industry is equipment manufacturers. So we have a mammoth task ahead of us as an industry to reclaim the, the, I guess, the success of the industry rather than giving that money to landlords and to banks and particularly equipment manufacturers. How do we empower ourselves to be more successful finding, like as we face all these challenges like labour, and, and this is where I'm, nervous about the next two years. But with that nervousness comes this deep desire to have these hard conversations and um, face these challenges and as a community look at how we can start solving them. So let's have um, join us for the next episode, folks, where we're going to deep dive into this specifically um, with Abby at a, at a much deeper level. Peace, love and peanut butter. Have an amazing rest of your day. I really hope you enjoyed this episode, friends. Please don't forget to show us some love by subscribing, liking, commenting, and most of all, sharing this podcast with your friends. Check the show notes for links, including our sponsors and our Patreon. And stay tuned for more great conversations on the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Forward.